since we hopped on a podcast and so we are super excited to have our guest today Ms. Ray Johnson what is happening it's all good I mean real estate's booming people are moving and that's it oh that's all that matters <laughs> that's what I'm talking about you came in with a little ditty bob I I'm love that <laughs> well that's good so we we are really what brought us here today is an article that really caught everyone's attention in regards yeah. to the real estate market in Atlanta. Um, before we jump into that, we definitely want to learn more about Ms. Ray Johnson. But I, I gotta, I gotta ask this. I do gotta ask this because you have folks that say, "Yeah, I'm from Atlanta," and you may say, "Okay, cool. Yeah, it's about an hour and a half north." Like, hold on, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> right. So, from your vantage point, what is Atlanta? So Atlanta is like this small. That's okay. number one. <laughs> So, yes, most people that say they're from Atlanta are in the surrounding counties, which is Metro Atlanta, mm. not actually Atlanta. OK, OK, OK. All right. <laughs> so make sure make sure you guys log that in. I can't tell you how many times someone told me they were from Atlanta and I said, OK, where? And they always start with, you know, it's about 45 minutes. No, 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 no. You're right. <laughs> over here. So. Um, all right. So what what got you into the real estate market? Tell us tell us about that journey. Yeah. So um, when I was younger, I always talked to my dad, talked to my brother, talked to um, really my family, especially my dad's cousin, about real estate and investing in real estate. So when I first started talking about real estate, it was from an investor's perspective. It wasn't even from an agent perspective. Wow. And, you know, I bought my house when I was younger. I was uh, 17 when I signed. I actually purchased when I was 18. No co-signer. What? Yes. Okay. Wait, 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 wait a, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, right, you know what's interesting is that we are actually living in a time to where high school students are seeing college as more of a cost burden, right? Right. And there is more of an appetite for them to say, you know what? I may not go to school immediately. I want to start making some money right off the bat. So purchasing a home may be on their horizon. And so tell us that process, just being under the age of 18 and being able to close on a home by your 18. What, what was that process like? So for me, I kind of did go the college route, but I chose a college that I can go straight into my major. So I went ahead and did that. I was able to go in, into a, um, what are those called? Like a job fair? When okay. I was, you know, I was friends with all the um, all the deans and all that stuff. So I was able to go to the college fair as a freshman when normally that's held for, you know, upperclassmen. And I came across this engineering company and that's what I was going for is engineering. And they hired me. And wow. so I had a really good job when I first started out. And of course, work ethic, that's number one. People don't talk about that. Work ethic was what got me there. And then, of course, I started getting into leadership and things like that. And then 
that's how I was able to purchase my house. So with the so part of the underwriting process is typically the the financials, right? Yes. And so how what did what was that process like? Because you mentioned you didn't have anyone else on the app with you, right? And so right. they had to look at your your numbers, your credit, right? Things mm -hmm. of that nature. So tell us like the the preparation. Y'all, we're getting deep into this. I didn't know we were going to oh, get yeah. deep. <laughs> it, it's such it's such a rare occasion, right? To be able to to go through one of the largest transactions that typically is the largest transaction in mm -hmm. households um, portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. Outside of real estate. And so 401k, things of that nature. And so I'm just very curious how you were able to position yourself for a bank to say, uh, yes. Right. So um, it comes into financial literacy, really, because my parents saw that at a very young age, they added me onto their credit cards as an authorized user. However, this can go one of two ways. Sometimes people in our community do not do right. So you have to actually pay the credit card. It has to have a positive standing in order for you to add your child to it and build up their credit while they're young. Yeah. And with my parents doing that, I think I was maybe 14 or 15 when they started adding me onto their credit cards it was able to build years and years of good payment history. Even though I wasn't necessarily the one making the payments, right. it was good payment history. So that built my credit because no credit is almost just as bad as bad credit. Right. Honestly. Right. Um, cool. So they were able to do that. And of course, with my job and me making smart decisions with saving and things like that, I mean, it was like a match made in heaven from a lender perspective. They were like, wow, you're so young, but you have established in good credit and then you have the money to, to match it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. That is one. I know that there are parents that's going to listen to this and say, I'm going to do that. Um, but two, just as you mentioned, anything, you know, we, we say this a good bit, anything you can use, you can abuse. Right. Yeah. And so unfortunately, we we teach a good uh, I won't say unfortunately we teach, but when we do teach uh, in different schools, unfortunately, we see different, um, we'll just say responses to that, right? So we'll yeah. pull credit while they're in class. They may be 11th grade, 10th grade, 12th grade, what, it really doesn't matter when. And there's sometimes there's a surprise of, hey, I didn't purchase this. Or hey, I, I didn't, didn't know this utility. Right, mm -hmm. right. And so you know, usually there is that other side of the coin to where it's just like, ah, they didn't necessarily use it as an asset for you. And so I just look one shout out to your parents, you know, for yes. being that example. And, and, but also more importantly, shout out to you to um, really put it forth that discipline, right. It's one thing to know the information. It's another thing to put it in place. Right. And right. so, um, all right, great. So graduated high school early. Yes. Went through the process of purchasing a home, Mm -hmm. super early, right? Yes. Uh, at the age of 18. What was, once you went like that process, you signed the, uh, probably the 200th uh, document that you had to sign once you right. started. Right. <laughs> tell us about that feeling. What, tell me about those feelings. Oh, man. How you Yo, how does, I'm just. The you. feeling was amazing because you have your own place and you own it and it's a tax write-off. It's an investment at the end of the day. Even if you're living in the home, it's still an investment because it appreciates over time. You get what's called equity, which is, you know, the market is saying that your house is worth 
X amount of money and you may have paid way lower than that, which is great because, you know, once you decide to sell the house, if you decide to sell or rent it out, you know, then that's an investment for you. It's almost like I look at houses as a savings account, mm. essentially. You're you're putting all that money in there and it's a savings account because your house appreciates and you'll get it back. Right. That's right. That's right. That's good. So now that all right, we're, we're going to keep going with the journey, purchase home, you start the process of saying, all right, I, I believe I'm going to be an engineer um, yep. and um, graduate. On time, yes. I'm assuming. Okay, probably prior to you may be yes, one of those December graduates. Graduate ahead of time. So graduate now. Are you working immediately? Are you getting into real estate immediately? Tell us about that journey right after graduation. No, I was I was already working. So my freshman year is when I started with the engineering firm, oh. and I had been working that whole entire time. So um, I was in engineering, then it kind of moved me over to the project management route. So I was a project manager. And of course, you know, I always felt like what position or what job is going to keep me around, you know, for engineering, even if robots are the ones that control everything and do all the work, they're still going to need to be an engineer to go ahead and um, program those robots or whatever the case is. I wanted right. something that was sustainable. And so project management and engineering, that was a thing for me. So I ended up doing that for, I don't want to date myself, but <laughs> about like maybe 10, 14 years or something okay, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes. So um, I was doing the engineering, I was doing the project management, and then COVID hit. And of course, you know, with COVID, multiple people were laid off. Um, project managers, a lot of project managers were laid off because, you know, we're working on big time projects, but are they needed to run the business right now? Probably not, you know, and then, you know, sustaining everything, you're looking at more development and things like that. So a lot of the project managers were unfortunately laid off and other employees. Right. So right. at that point, I just said, what do I want to do? And I've always wanted to do real estate. So my husband said, you know, you've always wanted to do real estate. Why don't you do that? And I say, you know what? You're on to something <laughs> right there. And so I started taking the classes and the rest is history. I mean, mm. a full-time agent. It's, it's amazing. I love it. I don't know why I didn't do it sooner. I love it. I love it. That's good. Shout out hubby for the, the recommendation. Like, you know what? I oh, love yes. I'm a real estate agent. Um, and, and then as well, I, I think, you know, there's two things that I'm pulling away from that is COVID was unexpected. Right. Yes. And, and for our business owners that are listening, COVID was a representation, especially from the, uh, we'll just say S Corp, LLC, C Corp, just those that have their own EIN numbers. That was a representation of how much cash you had on hand or how much mm -hmm. access to capital you had, right? Because yeah. if there's a disruption of the income, you got to be able to pull from somewhere to have that S word you mentioned, Ray, that sustainable business model that doesn't impact personnel. But the, the other side of the coin is that even though that you may work for an employer, you should have um, some type of 
we'll just say revenue generating skill set that you can um, put your energy towards is not dependent upon their nine to five, you know, income stream. So um, shout out to you with the pivot. I know that there's a podcast called the pivot podcast and it's gangster. Um, yes, it um, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and so uh, tell us about, so there is an education necessary to be able to become a licensed real estate agent, but yes. there's also additional education. Did you get any additional certifications, credentials that was, would help you with this journey? Yes. I did. So um, what I did was a, the standard 75 hour course um, for real estate. That's in the state of Georgia. Every every state is different with their licensing requirements. Mm -hmm. But I did the 75 hours. Then I did a post licensing course, which is about 25 hours. Um, and then I did a what's called MRP, which is military relocation professional certification. Okay. Since I am a military spouse, I do help military families as well. And so I wanted to make sure that I'm giving the highest level of service. And so I did get certified there. Now, that's fantastic. I didn't even know that certification existed. Oh, yes. Um, and I can only imagine. Shout out to all of our heroes and sheroes. We definitely salute you for your work and service. Um, but I can only imagine that in the process of, um, you know, getting back I don't want to say domesticated, but getting back into the routine of um, of family and and you know what you're what you're committed to. Right. All right, where do I live? You know, how, who's going to understand my situation? Who's going to understand all the variables that we have? So that that is that's great. So it sounds like that is a special, we'll just say niche for you. It is. It is. And you know, I I pride myself on doing virtual tours and things like that. I even moved a family from Japan so I can handle us and out of the country moves. I love it. All right. This is good. This is good. And before we get into the article, what is the name of your company? So our audience knows and how they can get in contact with you. Yes. Johnson signature homes. Um, Ray Johnson, of course, Johnson signature homes. Um, you guys can reach me on Instagram uh, at Johnson signature homes. And that's pretty much the social media platform that I'm on the most. Of course, there's Facebook, um, which I'm Ray Johnson Realtor, uh, which you could also do at Johnson Signature Homes. Perfect. Perfect. Now, our audience that may be watching on YouTube, they're like, bro, we can see her name right there. Like, what, what are you talking hey, about? You know. We, we got to <laughs> take care of our podcast listeners that may be driving to work saying, OK, Coop, thank you for that, because they do yeah. get out to me about like Isaac, we're, we don't just watch on YouTube. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. So what brought us here? Let me pull this article up now. For those that are writing and listening, you just going to have to just listen. You're going to miss out. On right. um, but what brought us here was an article. It was, it was very interesting. I, it was a, a colleague of mine. Shout out Michael Tucker. Um, Michael Tucker, he shared this on his Facebook page. And I was like, wait a minute and let's get into it. So ultimately, here we go. Boom. So ultimately, this young brother here, shout out to him. Now, the title says a 36-year-old chess prodigy built a software to speedily buy homes from afar for big investors, beating out everyday buyers. Mm -hmm. Now, <laughs> he is Atlanta's top broker. Check him out. Okay. Yeah. 
got all the hardware. I see. He does. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a few things that was interesting, right? Like, so I'm gonna scroll back up and I'm gonna, so we can just look at the title for a second. The, the, the immediate thing, Ray, is we are living in a time to where technology is playing more of a role because mm -hmm. it either helps with convenience, with speed, it helps with convenience, with efficiency, and it takes less human touch. Correct. Now, just as you mentioned, with the, even when you uh, talked about the engineering space, is that there's always going to be a role for human touch. Somebody got somebody got to turn it on, right? Right. Like, right. There's, <laughs> there's a role within that, but also in this era of convenience and speed, and I'm just going to use news for for um, for an analogy. Right now, you may have uh, an article that may come out and it's first, but is it factual, right? Right. Um, and the process for things to be factual sometimes may be lost in the sauce because speed is is the, hey, who said it first? Who tweeted this first? Who got this out first? Mm -hmm. And so technology sometimes can go both ways, but it looks like in this situation, um, this gentleman is using it to be able to jump into the real estate market in Atlanta. Now, before we jump into this, Ray, did you come across any situations with, because I believe Zillow played a role in purchasing real estate that was, so some of these untraditional buyers in, you know, single family homes, did you come across that in any of your, we'll just say real estate transactions in the past couple of years? Yes. Mm. The Zillows of the world, the open doors of the world. Um, all of those, I mean, you know, they're, they're offering convenience, as you mentioned, you wow. know, convenience, speed, they, you know, you can get an offer in 2.5 seconds. Now, granted, what people aren't talking about is the fact that you can get more money most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time you can get more money if you take the house, what we call to the market. Whoa, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. Hold on. I gotta we gotta get you back big screen. Let's hold on. Yeah, say that again. Say that okay. So for those that may have um no set it set the stage for me. So if you could give the contrast of all right, working with someone like you versus yes. automation. So automation, of course, you're gonna have convenience. You know, people aren't going to have showings, you're not gonna have people in your house. Um, you'll have a cash offer most of the time with little to no um, contingencies, what we call contingencies, which is an appraisal in finance, like a, a stop area where that can that can take effect. So if you don't have an appraisal, which is the value of your home, have somebody come out and give the value of your home, then that's good because, you know, you're almost guaranteed to get that amount that the offer is worth. However, Sometimes you pay for convenience, whereas with someone like me, a real estate agent, I can look at different cash buyers. I can look at what you might get if your house hit the market. So I can do all of those things versus if you're asking a robot mm. like Zillow or like Open Door, hey, what is my house worth? You're just going to get thrown a number with little to no research. Whereas with the human touch, you may be able to get more for your investment. Yeah, that's good to know. That's really good to know because someone could could look at this article we're about to review and apply it towards their individual process. But as we unpack this guy's target market is more so larger institutions. Right. And so mm -hmm. 
they miss out on some of the margin in which you're talking about because they want to do things quicker with larger transactions, right? So that's a really good point. So make sure y'all put that in your front and back pocket um, and holla at Ray whenever you got any questions. All right, so let's jump back in to good old AJ. Um, so AJ here, I think this is, is it's a very interesting problem that he's solving with this this space. Um, and there was a, really an article that we wanted to talk through. Here we go. That talks about kind of what got him into it, um, but also the the I would say the opportunity that he saw. So same gentleman here. See AJ there. Okay, got the two buttons uh, not showing. I see you there, Doc. There we go. <laughs> well, hey, and hopefully AJ. Hopefully you see this and come join us on the planning podcast. We definitely want to learn more about uh, what got you there. So we did mention that he was a chess prodigy. So quickly, he had the ability to calculate as many as 40 moves ahead. He was awarded the title of chess master at the age of 13. So yeah, Ray, you and AJ, y'all really can. Y'all doing- You're alike. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> it just makes sense. <laughs> so he was ranking first in the US within his age cohort for eight years in a row. So, so he was mm -hmm. solid. His native ability to assimilate information fast, assess opportunity costs, and take that all-important strategic risk has not only informed the basis of an exceptional career in chess, has also driven a series of entrepreneurial success. That's a sentence for you. It um, is. <laughs> all right. So real quick, he actually had a, it looks like he had a nice exit. I try to track down how much money he sold his business for. So in 2014, he successfully exited his first company, Soultron, uh, a social networking e-commerce platform in lifestyle retail verticals. Um, the name of the company, do you remember, Ray, you may remember this uh, company called Karma Loop? No. Okay. So they ultimately purchased Soultron. I was trying to track down how much, um, but you know, I, I'm going to do a little bit more research and get that squared away. So it looks like from that exit, he then uh, founded Stagnant. Now, if I'm saying that incorrectly, please forgive me. So it's an Atlanta-based business-to-business real estate arbitrage platform startup that identifies undervalued quality properties and shares knowledge with a pool of institutional buyers. Mm -hmm. So fast forward. So this was in 2020 when this was shared. So they, at that time, they were talking about they already have a multi-billion dollar market cap, blah, 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 blah. Um, ultimately, um, there were different investors saying that, hey, this is not going to be a good idea. What do you mean? investing in this type of market. There isn't any type of returns there. This is not making sense. But there was an aspect of this, uh, of his response that I think Ray will be able to, I know Ray will be able to attest and I would love for you to uh, expound upon. So this sentence here, when I got done with Soltron, the pattern recognition kicked in with interest rates being at an all-time lows. I saw the opportunities, both from real estate acquisition perspective and from the understanding, here we go, that people had the income to rent, but didn't have the credit clout with banks to get qualified to purchase a home. Yep. Yikes. I know. Yikes. <laughs> so ultimately, and we're gonna we're gonna jump back into this. Ultimately, he said. There is already a track record of people being able to pay rent consistently. Right. But the process, the financial literacy, 
and the execution necessary to be able to go to a bank and show your credit, show your assets, show consistent income, to show reserves, there is a void there. So tell us about with the households and the people that you work with, do you see consistency with his comment there? Yes. All too often, unfortunately, because, you know, for some people, they were never taught financial literacy. They never paid attention to any of that most of the time until COVID hit. That's what I hear the most is when COVID hit, I started paying attention because people were able to work from home or had to be at home, you know, due to layoffs and things like that. And they're looking around and they're like, you know what? I really don't like this place. Right. <laughs> you know, I really don't like this place. Some didn't like the people in it, but <laughs> mostly it was just they didn't like the place. So that's they started getting on the Internet and paying attention. Mm-hmm. And that's when the um, I can't remember what the uh, the platform was. I think it was Clubhouse. Oh, yeah. People yeah, started yeah. getting on Clubhouse and hearing right. the financial literacy. They started listening to real estate agents. They started listening to credit repair experts and they have one of maybe three things going on. Either they didn't know anything about their being able to purchase. They all think most people think that you need 20% down in order to purchase a house. And that is not true. You know, most of the time it's between three and 4%, maybe, Mm. you know, depending on your location of being able to purchase a house. So that was eye opener number one. Eye opener number two was, I really wasn't paying attention to my credit. What app can I use other than Credit Karma to track my actual credit? So um, I'll let you take that one over because you're a financial (laughs) expert, but um, that was another one. So that's number two. And number three was, I didn't save any money. And at this point with COVID happening, I can't save my money. I'm having to spend my money because I lost my job or maybe I'm I'm saving my money. I mean, some people COVID was a big downer and some people shot up with being able to, you know, start their own business or they had multiple streams of income that they can tap into to your point. Yep. You know, so it was just one of those three reasons and it's super unfortunate, but he's not wrong. Yeah. You know. That's good. That's and <sighs> You make so many, so many good points. So tell us, even with the, so AJ, shout out to your business. Thank you for, you know, building that algorithm. I think that there is two things happening, unfortunately, and it's kind of like the situation with Zillow. One, there isn't that vetting process you spoke to in regards of appraisals and assessments Mm -hmm. that may either inflate or even deflate you know, um, someone's, someone's home, uh, value to the ability to be able to play a, play a role or even to have an opportunity to put an offer in. Sometimes that is either diminished or even eliminated because how quickly the computer can go from opportunity to matching, um, a buyer. Um, but also within that it could, it could, if not properly managed, it could cultivate, um, uh, we'll just say a series of homes that aren't managed or um, uh, at the standard in which they could be, right? So the grass mm-hmm. isn't cut, right? Like just certain things that ultimately impacts the, the surrounding community 
if not managed correctly, or at least at least there isn't enough empathy towards their property in that um, in that arena, that could be a, a big issue. Correct. Um, now, institutional investors, y'all should already know about AJ. If you don't, cut me in two percent. Now we are now talking to those that are in Atlanta mm -hmm. or looking to move to Atlanta, and they may say, "All right, Ray, I'm a college." Um, we're looking to move. We haven't sold our property yet, but we're a little uneasy about, all right, is the market, is the market already is about to come down? What would you say to those in regards of like the status of the real estate market, especially when it pertains to the pricing prices of homes? So it's cooling down. It is not completely out of a seller's market though. And I'll tell you why. Okay. So interest rates went up. Or actually, let me start here. When interest rates were low, interest rates were low. It was an influx of buyers because people said, I can buy a house finally. And it's actually affordable. I can afford 400000 So they're looking for houses and it's a bidding war because, of course, sellers control the market. So it's a bidding war. They may get outbid. So now fast forward to, to today, it has slowed down. However, with the interest rates being high, sellers aren't really willing to sell their house. So we are still in a low inventory market with buyers that are out shopping. They're having to bid on one, two, three houses that are on the market. And we're still in a bidding situation. Mm. And another thing that I wanted to mention is that to your point with these all cash buyers, these uh, investors, I've had listings where investors are almost the first one to put in an offer for a property. And it is a good offer, you know, <laughs> either at list or a little bit above list. And, you know, you're not getting an, you're not having to do an appraisal. You're not having a finance contingency, which means, you know, the person has to get financing for the property because it's all cash. And they're sending us the proof of funds with millions and millions showing on the proof of funds for us as agents and as your sellers that that's a sure thing you know you might as well pack it up you know and you're done versus mm -hmm. people that send what we call love letters which means that they're saying i love this house you know i really want it and i could see my family growing here and you're like i love that but are you the strongest offer and for me i have to be non-biased you know, because I'm representing the seller. Right. So I have to tell the seller, this is the risk of accepting this and this offer. Whereas this is the pros of these offers. Right. And it's ultimately the seller's decision. And nine times out of 10, the seller is going to go with the most money. Yep. Yeah. But these investment companies are putting a stronghold on $200,000 to about four or $500,000 properties. They're putting a stronghold on them, putting all cash up and using them as investment rental properties. And, you know, average buyer is in that price point. That's exactly They're going to lose almost every time. Jeez, jeez. That is. I know I just threw a bomb. In. <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, that's what I'm seeing. And I'm a, I'm a listing agent, you know, half the time and the other half I'm a buyer's agent. So wow. I see both sides. Crazy. And it's 
it's a it's a beautiful perspective because just as you mentioned, when when the interest rates were low, ultimately it was cheaper to use someone else's money, right? So we, if you got low interest rates, so let's say raise like, hey, I'm the bank, I'm gonna drop it down. If you need a hundred dollars, I'm only gonna charge you one dollar. I'm like, right, I'm gonna get as many hundred dollars as I can. Right. <laughs> but if you say, all right, look, hey, inflation is up, we gotta raise interest rates. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You say you want a hundred dollars, but I'm going to have to charge you $18. Whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Right. Hold on. I'm not going to be as anxious, right. To get that extra hundred. Right. And so mm -hmm. even as interest rates, interest rates rise, the sellers are saying, all right, cool. I may be able to make some money, but I'm going to have to pay more money to use someone else's money. Right. right. And so right. All right, where do I win there? And, and that's why, as you mentioned, inventory is still a bit still a bit low um even though things are starting to cool down a bit so it's cooling down interest rates are rising and so there there's that mix there mm -hmm. um but also as you mentioned the reality of look hey if i'm representing my client and they trying to sell this house for the most amount of money and we trying to do it with the least amount of contingencies yeah uh that portfolio by black rock <laughs> come on yeah i'm i'm telling you and and that's why I've kind of changed my um, I would say my strategy with clients mm. and I've kind of moved them a certain way or moved them to certain lenders because I know that I can maximize, you know, them as best as I can. I'm not going to give all my secrets. So guys, stop listening. But um, <laughs> I do this for my clients to win offers. So. Right. Right. Um, if you want something or, or if you if you're ready, you know, you let me know. But yeah, I've had to train, change my strategy and yeah. some agents have not. And, you know, those are the ones that probably don't have a chance. And the other ones that have kind of ebbed and flowed with the market and said, you know, let me talk to my partners. What can you do? Those are the ones that are flourishing. And, you know, it's an unfortunate reality, but that's just the way it is. Tell us. Tell us someone calls you today and they are looking to purchase a home. What five things are good indicators to say, all right, we may be able to make this happen in the next 90 days, right? Or mm -hmm. like, what would you say is an ideal profile? So we can start with income. We can start with credit. We can start with debt to income ratio. So it may be a First, oh, even better. First time home buyer. All right. First yeah. time home buyer, ideal profile, go. Okay. Ideal profile, at least a 620 and higher credit. Okay. That's number one. Um, and I say that because although you're still going to be subject to the higher interest rates, you won't be as bad. You won't get a denial letter, pretty much. Um, and, and I'm not saying that you won't. It's, everybody's credit is different. Everybody's situation is different. But the ideal would at least be 620 and higher or 640 and higher. That would be number one for credit. Okay. Pay stubs or 1099s. Have your paperwork in order. If the bank has to ask you too many questions, it's probably because they're on the verge of saying no. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's almost just like renting. You know, you want to see at least three times the monthly income, that would be a good start um, to say, you know, okay, I can afford X amount of money. Right. So I always ask how you think your credit is, how much money are you making? And, I, and I'm glad you said that with the pay stub and I want to um, make sure I highlight with my business owners. So, okay, 
you're doing well, your business is making money. We got to make sure that there's a track record on how you're paying yourself. That's why you got to have your business account and then you got to have your personal account, right? And so business account, take care of your overhead, what's necessary to run the business. But part of any business typically is like 40 to 50% of any overhead is going to be your personnel, the people that it takes to run it, unless you got like a tech business, something like that. Long story short, if you are bringing in, we'll just say $15,000 a month and all let's just say need all you need is $5,000 a month to live and you pay yourself $7,000 a month, whatever. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a record that shows the deposits coming in in regards of how you make money, but also you paying yourself that $7,500 per month. Because to your point, that 1099 that you're, you're paying, that you're being received as payments, mm -hmm. you're going to need to reflect a W-2 type infrastructure, right? right? You may not have a W-2 where you're paying all your taxes, but you at least got to have the structure as if you were. So just wanted to just share that in regards of that um, credit. And then it was, in, and also with the income. So those are two really good 620 at least again, everybody's situation is different. Mm -hmm. I know that um, there's been a number of folks that we've seen to where their credit has, you know, gone up in a six month, three months year oh, yeah. crazy, but also at the same time, they were also caught off guard on, Oh, I could have, done that with that you know and it, and it delayed their ability to be able to put an asset on their balance sheet all right so credit income first time home buyer in the a what else yes and before before we go through that i want to tell you too for the for the people that are um, business owners you can't make a hundred thousand dollars a year let's just say and then write off eighty thousand dollars a year on your taxes and expect for a bank to look at you like you make $100,000 a year. What My they will God. do is they will look at, okay, you made $100,000, you wrote off $80,000 in expenses. So now you really only made $20,000. 100%. So that is what they're looking for. And they want to see at least two years of good quality income. Yeah. So if you plan to purchase, don't write off as much stuff because you will not qualify for a loan. I've had people that had to go back and amend two years or, you know, and just take the L, I mean, really, and just owe the IRS. And, you know, they're, they have the money to pay the IRS. You know, right. they just weren't familiar with the process. It's a good point. That's a good point. There is a number of businesses that we work with that were heavy cash businesses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they want to keep more money to be able to do more money with. And right. the trade-off to your point is if you say that you're making a hundred thousand and you write off 80, that means that means the bank can only rely on that twenty thousand dollars, right? And so if you're trying to get finance for a hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars, they're like, look, you only making about fifteen hundred dollars a month, sir. So I don't know where you think you're gonna get this this note payment from. Mm -hmm. So it, it, you know, we say it all the time where there's a gimme, there's a gotcha, right? And right. so if you're like, look, if I want to keep more money up front. Well, there's a gotcha on the back end if you need to use someone else's money. So that's a that's a really good point. I'm glad you uh, shared that. All right. Credit, income, proper income, but also business owners don't be trying to, you know, <laughs> I made $12 this year. Man, you've been one minute, you know, and so, you, you know, there is a balance to it, right? Like there is a balance to it. But if you got to use someone else's money and you're and you're operating in a loss, then Come holla at us. Let's let's get you. Let's get you back. Yeah, get them right. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else, what else we got, Ray? So you want to have a proper savings account. Okay. Because not only do we need to see closing costs, but we also need to see down payment. So for the average person who has a lower credit score, they're going to qualify for an FHA loan. FHA loans are 3.5% of the sales price. So you're going to have to look at it from a perspective of if I'm looking to purchase a $300,000 house, take 300,000 times 3.5%. That's how much is your down payment. Then I always tell people to estimate another 3% at least mm. for closing costs. So that, that's 6.5% that you're looking at, at the bare minimum. Right, right. So right. you want to make sure you have that savings account, not only for, you know, as an emergency fund, but also if you're looking to purchase. That's good. That is really good. And I think even for those that are also, um, let's say you're relocating, hopefully it's tied to an employer and they're like, hey, we got $25,000 of relocation. That would be amazing. But if that is not the case, you got to think through what that would be for yourself, even when you think about furnishing the home, because sometimes yeah. folks, you know, they get so tied into which is, you know, and I get it. Sometimes I look, look, as long as I got a bed in there, I'm good on you. Hey, we got Netflix on our phone. Right. So, I get it. And, you know, you do life in levels and in phases, but you just want to at least count the cost. Right. At least yeah. count it in regards to right, what type of furniture do we want? Uh, what type of experience do we want? What type of technology do we want? And what is our game plan to get it to that and uh, in its wholeness? But also at the same time, you don't want to just like, all right, you know, I got the car. Now y'all got to sleep. You know, oh, excuse me. Now I got the house. Now you feel like you got to sleep in the car, eat ramen noodles all day. Like, now nah, let's, right. let's try to, you know, balance that out. So that's that's good. Is there anything else you want to add to that for all the folks that are looking to purchase in Atlanta, first time home buyers, mm -hmm. uh, moving to Atlanta? Um, in that capacity, anything else you want to add in regards to that ideal profile? Yeah. I mean, check with your, your agent because yeah. the agent will know, and I'm talking real estate agent here, your agent will know exactly what programs that you may or may not qualify for, or they will have a list of preferred lenders that can tell you what you would qualify for. And they're going to look at you from a holistic perspective your credit, your down payment, you know, how much money you have saved up. And then also you, you know, what job you have. There are some lenders that are giving credit for military that are giving credit for firefighters or police officers or teachers. Same thing with new construction. I mean, there are lenders that I'm sorry, not lenders, builders giving credit for their heroes, which is mm. the, the teachers, the uh, military police officers, firefighters that those things. Really? So your agent would really know who's providing that and then what you can overall, you know, be able to save on depending on which route you go. That's good. That is really good. That is really. I mean, we do this all day, guys. You got to trust us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's good. And it's, and it's good to know that. And I appreciate you providing so much of the education necessary because sometimes you know, it's very similar. Like you said, during the pandemic, you had the clubhouse, you had the mm -hmm. all these different platforms that would um, try to simplify the process, mm -hmm. but would actually trigger more misinformation. Right. Mm -hmm. So it would be, yo, get you an LLC. You know, you'll get your McDonald's franchise in 12 days. Like, hold on. Wait, wait, yeah, wait, absolutely wait, not. Right, like, so it's just <laughs> certain things that would 
that would shortcut the process, but it would still highlight the opportunity. Um, but no one, I won't say no one, but there was only so many that could speak to the education because they didn't have your experience, right? And so you have the experience, you lived it by, you know, 17 and 18, and then from there, continue to gain the education and, and COVID really um, created the, the intersection to do it at a larger level, right? Yeah. And so shout out to Signature Homes um, in that space. All right. So before we finish up, let's do this. I think it may be on this. No, nah, I left it there. All right. So before we finish up, um, I, of course, have to share this. We had, we ask all of our guests this question. So this is the planning podcast. Um, and those that are um, aware, we spell it a, a little different. So uh, PL and we replace the A with the Delta sign. And so in math mathematics, Delta represents change. And mm -hmm. what we would love to know, and plus the way we in which we believe planning um, exists is that anything that is important that you want to change for the better, the foundation of that is in planning, right? So planning isn't ultimately a one-time event. It's a lifetime, lifestyle type of evolution, right? You're always planning, always planning. Um, can you share with our audience hearing that definition planning on how planning has been beneficial for you in your life? Yeah, I mean, it's it's strategy. You know, you always have to look 10 steps ahead. You you can enjoy the moment. You can enjoy where you're at and, you know, kind of start flourishing and, and be flourishing. But where do you want to be? Yeah. You know, you have to plan that out. Me and my husband have a vision board. Mm -hmm. This is where we want to be in this, you know, and these are the steps that we're going to do to get there. You know, planning to me is like, what do we want our, our household to look like? What do we want you know, for our future. And at that point you break it into steps and that's hashtag planning. That's right. You, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, because you're planning on where you want to be. That's right. And that's that could be point. anything and everything. That's good. I love it. I love it. Miss Johnson, Miss Ray Johnson, shout out to Mr. Johnson as well. The power couple of Atlanta. Um, she shared her contact information. And so if you miss it, just going to go rewind back um, and check that out. Um, and of course, just with a quick Google search, you'll be able to um, find her and her team. And, and, and I know for a fact, just even just listening to Ray, it's less about the transaction. It's more about the um, really the purpose, right? Like it, the transaction just connects you with people that need to get it done. But your purpose is is something that you've been living in. So thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate you joining yeah. us uh, today. I know we was able to holla at and unpack old AJ. I think it's Stegman, Steinman. I don't know how to pronounce Stein, his last Steinman, name. Steinman, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but even to your point, even when it pertains to planning, being 10 steps ahead, he used his strategy of chess, of being, oh, no. being able to calculate 40 steps ahead. Um, with this business and so there's a lot of parallels there so y'all may be some cousins or something like that and you never know you just <laughs> never know <laughs> everybody knows everybody it's a small world i'll that's tell you exactly <laughs> right that's exactly right well Red, we'll definitely bring you back um we, we would love to um continue to learn more about the atlanta market and and what people need to know um i'm also interested in that heroes for new construction um because we have a very 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 soft um 
place in our heart for our educators, especially for our heroes, of course, but specifically for our teachers. Um, they, they, um, we feel like they are under resourced and, and they always over deliver, especially, mm-hmm. um, you know, for our, for our next generation of leaders. And so we would definitely love for you to come back and, and share more about those opportunities without, it. without giving, you know, all the secret sauce to you. Yeah, to you, you no know. secret sauce. <laughs> Y'all have to work with me to get that. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right, right. Well, thank you for today. And of course, good people, make sure y'all stay planted. Thank you.